most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast for everyone clocking those late night DFS hours. This is our night shift episode for week number 15. We'll break down Sunday night football, Monday night football, and also the three game Saturday main slate as well. I'm your host, Chris Raybon from the Action Network, and here to join me, one of the top fantasy football rankers, projectors in the game, the odds maker, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up? I, I am stoked that we get this awesome three-game Saturday slate. You know, good for DFS, props, betting. Love it. Yeah, I like the three-game slate. That's it. just, you know, usually on Saturday, it's like just kind of ramping up for Sunday or maybe watching some college football but yeah <laughs> once the once college football kind of goes once they go on break we get some nfl saturdays exactly. so love those a lot more than the thursday night i did like the monday night doubleheader though i thought that was pretty cool. oh yeah that's cool what'd you think about it being like the exact same time or would you like it staggered i actually didn't mind it being the same time because it kind of just it was kind of like that mini red zone feel where you always knew there was like if one of the games hit a low or a commercial you could probably yeah. just switch over um, I didn't actually double box it really. I just kind of switched back and forth when I, you know, whenever something kind of died down in, in one of the games, and uh, yeah, kept me pretty entertained. So I, I wish uh, there was a market for which game would make it to like halftime first or something like that. That'd be a fun <laughs> sweat, right? One of them like be. was six minutes ahead. Uh, it had to be the Dolphins game because of all those injuries, uh, and then they both ended pretty much at the same time. But that that would have been a fun sweat. I feel like they could do that on red zone. Like Scott Hansen would be fun, like kind of announcing that. Cause he, he always kind of tells you what, what's going on in terms yeah. of, you know, okay. Like we have all the games at halftime, but one, or like this one still like, what game was it last week? I think it was the Browns and Jaguars that just took forever to get to the half. <laughs> it was like third, yeah. mid, mid third, wait third of a lot of the other games. And it's like well, two that, minutes to go. Yeah. The fun bet would be, which game will be the last one to get to halftime. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was that, uh, it was the Cardinals Steelers where there was all those delays. Uh, oh yeah, you know, spilling over wild. to like the later slate. Yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, if you had inside in- info, that would have been like uh, you know the the smash play there. Yeah, I mean that's probably why they don't do it because somebody could just delay the game and <laughs> for, yeah, I didn't think <laughs> collect uh, yeah, like the refs think... for example. If they yeah. you know as if they're not already doing those, <laughs> but uh, oh god, I digress. Let's uh, let's get into Saturday slate. Uh, and we'll break this. So there's, uh, you know, the three game slate and then we'll do the showdown slates for yeah. Sunday, Monday night, but we'll talk through each position kind of like a, a true main slate for the Saturday slate. Uh, the games are Vikings at Bengals Bengals favored by three and a half at home. The total 39. It's at 1 PM Eastern on NFL network. Luck rankings have the Bengals fourth Minnesota. 12th and that's the uh that favors minnesota that's the fourth best of the week pittsburgh at indianapolis colts favored by two and a half 
with a total of 42. That's 430 Eastern on NFL Network. Both of those teams top three in luck. Uh, Pittsburgh number two, and the Colts are third. And then we have the Broncos at the Lions in the nightcap. Lions minus five, total 46 and a half. 8.15 Eastern, NFL Network, both of those teams top 10 in luck. So kind of some similar matchups in terms of the luck rankings outside of uh, Vikings and Bengals, although those teams are in the top 12 too. So uh, a lot of uh, luckier teams facing <laughs> off here. Yeah, But uh, an interesting slate just because yeah. you have you know, some backup quarterbacks and some guys playing well and some teams playing well and some teams playing poorly. So a lot of different ways you can go. Who do you like? Uh, what, who stands out at quarterback for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird quarterback slate. You know, Russ Wilson and Jared Goff are the top two guys, which is saying something. Um, I think <laughs> Jake Browning at 5,700 sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, he's coming off another monster game, or great game, I should say. Uh, facing a Vikings defense that's really good, but they play a ton of zone, and uh, they they do allow – like a lot of easy completions underneath. So it seems like an ideal spot for Browning. Maybe they will do a better job at limiting the yards after catch. Um, that's really how Browning is getting a lot of his production. You know, Chase Brown had the long catch for the yep. touchdown. So, um, you know, maybe Browning won't be able to keep this up, but it's it's a good scheme, has solid pass catchers. So this could be another good spot. But I think, you know, he's going to be popular. So I think a good pivot would be Gardner Minshew at 5,500. Uh, the game's going to be indoors against Steelers, so that that's going to allow for a, a higher scoring environment. This game could be a sneaky shootout uh, in a sense, so um, I like him here. And plus, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are both in the concussion protocol, yep. so one or both are out. You know, he he could have a very clean pocket here. Maybe they'll run more, but either way, I, I do think Gardner Minshew on this on this slate specifically uh, could be in play at fifty five hundred. Oh yeah, I mean it's a three game slate. Every quarterback's in play, but yeah, I like even going McMullins. away from the chalk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the guy that I like the most oh, is nice. Nick Mullins because I think we've seen this this year over and over again, where <laughs> backup quarterback after backup quarterback after backup quarterback make it starts, and not all of them are are going to suck. Like some of them are going to have good games, and when they do, you got to get ahead of it because. What happens is the more tape you get on guys, you know, the jig is up after a while. Like, look at Josh Dobbs. <laughs> he looked amazing for two games. And then yeah. in, in, now you're at game five and he can't score. So <laughs> Nick Mullins, first start for the Minnesota Vikings. And this guy has experience in the league, so which I like in this spot. He actually has pretty decent career numbers. 7.7 7 yards in attempt. league average is about 7, uh, 65%. Completion rate, 65.4. Uh, it's about a percent higher than league average. And then a 5% sack rate, which is 2% lower than league average, which is around a little bit above seven this year because of the Giants probably inflating that all by themselves <laughs> earlier in the year. But, uh, you know, he the only thing with Mullins, he does throw some picks, but that doesn't kill you in DFS because, uh, you know, it could be an arm pun. It can be a, a pick six where you just get the ball back. So, not really worried too much about that. He obviously is going to have weapons, whether Jefferson suits up or not. You're going to have Hawkinson. You're going to have Jordan Addison. So uh, I really like this spot. You know, I know the Vikings are dealing with 
some injuries on the uh, interior offensive line, but uh, the Vikings this year, they they built a pretty good roster un- under the uh, radar where every time somebody gets hurt, they could just next man up and there hasn't been much of a drop off. And uh, the Vikings do have depth. And I mean, it speaks to the fact that they're, you know, still in a playoff hunt and they're on their, what, third, fourth quarterback now, fourth quarterback. So uh, like Mullins, I think you, you want to get ahead of him, yeah. you know, potentially having a big game with some of these weapons with a great offensive coach in uh, Kevin O'Connell, cheapest quarterback on a slate, Cincinnati defense ranked 26th in DVOA. So, you know, this is, I think this is a great buy low. And he came in, you know, Dobbs went 10 of 23 for 63 yards, you know, for most of the game. Mullins comes in and promptly goes nine of 13 for 83 yards. So, I mean, clearly there's something here with, you know, O'Connell, Mullins, and, and a guy that can just kind of, you know, Dobbs is a different kind of quarterback. I think sometimes he can stare down his reads too long. He doesn't kind of get it off and check down and just make the play and keep the offense moving. So competent quarterback in Nick Mullins, shaky defense in Cincinnati. And on the other side, Brian Flores loves to blitz. So Jake Browning, that would be my concern with him is that, you know, he's going to just see the most confusing defense he's seen in any of his starts thus far. And you could just, you could see some turnovers. So could also get some short fields, could get some ball control here for for the, for the Vikings. So I, I pretty much like everything about, uh, about Mullins in this spot. And if Justin Jefferson suits up, that would just mm-hmm. be, you know, gravy on top. But either way, 5K, cheapest quarterback, got to do it, Nick yeah. Mullins. Running back, who you got? Yeah, this is a fun slate for running backs, too. There, there's a lot of options. Uh, both Warren and Najee uh, look good. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to just go cheap here uh, with Chase Brown at 4,800 uh, against the Vikings. Um, you know, he's continued to see a decent amount of snaps. I mean, Joe Mixon's still, you know, like a, a workhorse back in a sense, but just Browning has helped elevate the offense enough. Um, but the the area where we saw Chase Brown really expand his role was in the passing game. Yes. Uh, he, he actually didn't run a route uh, in that Jaguars game. Uh, but last week it was up to 30%, and I think that's key. I, I always thought of him as more pass-catching back anyway. Uh, so he could carve out like the Samaj P. Ryan role, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, sure enough, he went off for three catches, 80 yards and a touchdown, uh, including that f- nice 54-yard catch and run for a touchdown. Um, and like I mentioned, the Vikings do concede a lot of underneath stuff. Um, you know, they play a ton of zone. Uh, and Brown had that big game uh, against a zone-heavy team in the Colts. So I think that's a sign of things to come. They, they've allowed a ton of receptions to running backs. Uh, you know, they played the Broncos a few weeks ago, allowed 14 receptions there. So I just like uh, Brown's path uh, to to really hitting here in the passing game. And, you know, he could break off a big run or two. So I just love his upside here. His his role is continuing to grow. So um, I I love Brown here at 4,800. Yeah, I always like investing in in rookies this time of of year. And Brown looked great. I mean, that's exactly what the Bengals needed as a compliment to to Mixon and their run game, which – it just the explosiveness just wasn't quite there, and uh, and with Brown now it is so uh, love him. Uh, I just want to talk about you know Zach Moss. I think he is mispriced like egregiously <laughs> because yeah. he's I think both of our RB three on the entire slate like Thursday, Sunday, Mon- Saturday, Sunday, Monday. 
the number three running back overall, and he's priced fourth highest on the slate alone <laughs> at 6,200 on DK. So he's just a steal. He's a guy that uh, cash games, I think, got to lock him in. He's barely coming off the field at all, uh, pretty much like Zeke Elliott, except the Colts here are a home favorite and, uh, you know, more competent offense. So Moss has really been kind of struggling to produce given the massive workload that he's had. So you know how that goes. That could all flip in all all at once. So, you know, Moss has had a couple of games now where he's essentially not come off the field at all, gotten all of the backfield touches and really hasn't had much to show for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, multiple touchdowns, from boss in this game uh, because that's how it tends to happen in the NFL. So I just wanted to highlight him. Yeah. Obviously there are a bunch of cheap guys, but uh, I think Moss is just from a straight up projection versus salary perspective. I don't think you can do better than uh, the Moss in this one. Yeah. He's uh 6,200. Uh, I have a column that says like where he should be priced just based on my projections. And mm-hmm. it's 8,300. Exactly. Like he's, he's not even the $2,000. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah, just a fun week all around. A lot of interesting yeah. options and, and pricing and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna for the rest of uh, them. I'm it's not gonna be chalk. So just but just oh, wanted to get that moss in yeah. there. Um, just because I you know when a guy's that mispriced, I think it's it's worth yeah. highlighting. But uh, let's go to wide receiver. Who you got? Yeah, and it just sets the tone for the position at large. Uh, yeah. Wide receiver, another. Uh, this is wide open. I, I like a cheaper guy here in Josh Downs at 4,600 against the Steelers. Uh, he's been quiet, you know, since his week five to eight breakout. Uh, but all the underlying usage, all the things you'd like to be there are still there for him to have the occasional big game. Uh, and the Steelers have been giving up solid games to slot receivers lately, uh, like Josh Downs, um, you know, because they're they're typically able to avoid Joey Porter's juniors uh you know shut down coverage so you know kyle phillips Jaden reed elijah moore juju smith schuster had a, a season best game uh all these slot receivers have exceeded expectations recently so i think downs will just be the next guy on that list he, he's just way too cheap here again this game's indoors i think you know if, if this were in pittsburgh i'd expect a much lower scoring game but this is going to be a fast-paced game that Indy's going to want to control and I think Downs could have a big game here. He's way too cheap at 4,600. Yeah, and I think the reason his production has been down is, remember, he's dealing with that nagging knee injury. So with each passing week, you know, that gets further away. But just another example of a guy who, you know, not really popping up on the injury report anymore, really gets talked about. But, you know, we know that he has, he's came out and said that he had, he's dealing with an injury and um, he's kind of playing through it. So, uh, yeah, at some point, he's going to kind of get that corrected. And, yeah, he's still on the field uh, a ton for the Colts, who really don't sub out at receivers. He comes off the yeah. field if they're in too wide sometimes, but that's about it. Uh, for wide receiver, I like a guy. I don't know if either of us have highlighted him much at all this year in anything, <laughs> but Jerry Judy. I think this is an interesting time to buy Jerry Judy because another indoor game at Detroit. Think, I think this could, you could see some points in this one. Detroit has been 
sputtering a little bit uh, offensively, but I think they can they can put some things together back indoors. And then the Lion defense has really been struggling, and I think Judy can uh, take advantage. And he may actually finally see a true trailing game script. Broncos haven't had many of those as of late, but Judy has seen a lot more of his production as do a lot of pass catchers, especially if you're not the number one, which is Cortland Sutton, uh, do when he's trailing 9.3 yards of target uh, on his 33 targets when trailing compared to 6.8 on his 30 targets when leading or tied. And Judy just missed a touchdown last week. So uh, he's a guy that, you know, if he had just can't come down with that touchdown, his price would be what five hundred dollars, three three or five hundred dollars higher probably, and yeah. his ownership would be up as well. But forty seven hundred, I think it's a great price to pay against a pass funnel Lions defense that's seventh in run defense DVOA, but nineteenth against the pass and twenty eighth versus number two wide receivers. And again, I really like that this is an indoor uh, game because Judy has played. 43 games outdoor in his career, 10 games indoor. In his 43 outdoor games, <laughs> he's averaging 3.6 catches, 49 and a half yards, and 13.7 yards per catch. Indoor, his receptions per game go from 3.6 to 4.4. His receiving yardage goes from 49 and a half to 67 and a half, so an 18-yard jump. And his yards per catch goes up uh, a whole yard and a half from 13.7 to 15.3 uh, indoors. Now, still a smaller sample, you know, 10 games versus 43, but that's something you expect for a guy like Judy who has, you know, some quickness and, and some route running ability uh, on a faster track. I, I think in a game where the Broncos could be trailing, Detroit is capable of, you know, scoring 30-plus at any given time. Uh, this could just be a different game script than we've seen from the Broncos in a lot of the recent games that they played. So uh, buying low on uh, Judy here. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, this his market has to be the lowest it could possibly be yep. at this point. So great time to buy low. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, ever since Steve Smith just just destroyed him <laughs> yeah. on national TV, I don't think anyone wants parts of, uh, of Jerry Judy. So, uh, but you know, got it, got to buy low. And another guy, I mean, a since we haven't talked about him, but another guy to buy low on kind of in the same vein is George Pickens. You know, oh, everyone's talking yeah. about how he gave up on a play and, and he's not, not a good look. And he's not run blocking, not putting in effort. The coach Tomlin has come out and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, condemned him to the press and, and all that. So, you know, that's the time these kind of guys, you're going to go off sooner or later. So uh, yeah. another guy, you know, to, to, uh, to buy low on. All right, uh, tight end. We like. Yeah, so I like uh, Pat Frymuth at thirty nine hundred uh, against the Colts. Um, this is a great game to stack. So we I just think gonna it, stack the entire. Um, might as well, right? Steelers uh, and I, Colts rosters. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I do have some players from that Vikings uh, Bengals games too, too. But I think this Steelers Colts game is a is a sneaky game stack for sure. And you know, Muth has been held in check. Two games now since his just massive nine catch, 120 yard game. Uh, but we've actually seen his route participation uh, on the rise. Last week it was up to 83%, which is really good. Uh, and he thrives against zone, and Indy uses zone coverage at the highest rate. So this is a great spot for him. They have had a very easy 
uh, strength of schedule opposing tight ends recently. So don't look at the recent raw stats. But if you look, you know, all the tight ends that have faced them, they've been, you know, shitty, but they've all exceeded expectations. So Frymuth is by far the best tight end they've faced recently. So I think this is a good, you know, blow up spot. There's not many options on this slate, and he's kind of right in the middle. Um, so I think his ownership might be uh, a bit lower here. So I like uh, going with Frymuth here. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos are just messing around with Adam Troutman and Lucas Kroll. Lucas finally Kroll. Got, finally got a, his first catch, so a downfield catch too. <laughs> but uh, we'll see if they sign him. They, have, they would have to sign him to the active roster because I think yeah. they use the three elevations. But uh, So obviously monitor that. I think he's interesting. But you mentioned it. This is kind of, I mean, I think there's chalk. At, like there's, you know, you got Laporta. You got, uh, I would consider Friar Moose at this point, I guess, chalk as well. Hawkinson is there. Yeah. He's pretty expensive, though. And then, you know, you got that Bengal four-way committee with Tanner Hudson, who would probably be the most popular. But hey, who's I'm going to go. Huh? Who's the fourth there? Oh, Mitchell Wilcox. 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 Oh. Yeah, he's oh, been playing over uh, Irv Smith lately. So, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I faded Irv Smith at the the one game where he went off. Like, that's I, right. oh, man, that's just, sometimes they just don't drop, that's... man. That, well, that's that's the me syndrome. Just one week too early. You have the right yep, angle yep, there. It's yep. just one week too early. So it's a th- it's a three game slate. You got six teams. Most people are going to be playing tournaments, so you're going to have to find a you know smart way to differentiate uh, and keep some upside. And I think the perfect way to do that is not the Bengals four way tight end committee, Uh-oh. but the Colts. Four-way tight end committee because <laughs> there's one guy in particular who I think is primed for a breakout, and that is rookie Will Mallory, fifth-round pick out of Miami, 4.5 speed, min-priced, and he kind of had a semi-breakout last week, splitting time, you know, four ways, so only playing about you know, 30% of the routes, a little over but five catches, 46 yards against the Bengals. And he has nine catches over his last three games, despite splitting time, you know, with, with all those other guys, with Granton and, and Moali Cox and uh, who am I forget? Uh, Drew Ogletree. So uh, I think Mallory, if anyone's playing time is going to kind of spike at the expense of the others at this point in the year, I think it's going to be Mallory. And look, you say like, don't look at the, uh, the Colts, um, you know, against tight ends lately. I, I do want people to look at the Steelers against tight ends lately because last five weeks, week 14, Hunter Henry, three catches, 40 yards, two touchdowns. Week 13, 11 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown to Cardinal tight ends, including nine for 89 and a touchdown to Trey McBride. The week before that, eight catches, and a touchdown to Bengal tight ends. The week before that, David Njoku got 15 targets and caught seven balls for 56. And the week before that, the Packer tight ends combined for 70 yards on three catches, so averaging over 20 yards a catch. Luke Musgrave, another rookie, had two catches for 64 yards. And because Mallory's at min price and most of the chalk options are going to be a lot more expensive something like a you know a two for 64 even without a touchdown might get you there uh so i think mallory is he's one of my favorite uh plays on this slate 
because I think he's still he's still got some breaking out to do and talented kind of receiving first tight end who I think at, at probably you know at some point starts cutting into to, to Kylan Granson his workload I think he's kind of the the future for them because Granson remember was a, a holdover from the prior regime yeah. so Will Mallory min price against the Steelers yeah if Will Mallory goes for two catches and 64 yards that is more than enough and you have to be a brave person to attack this Colts tight end room so uh kudos to you and it, <laughs> I, mean, so, hey. I was hope I was hoping Jelani Woods would return and really make this a mess, but it looks like he's going to miss the entire season, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, five way committee would have been real fun to project. Oh man, oh, yeah. All they need is like a full. And then, did you see they're using Zaire Franklin at fullback sometimes? Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. man. <laughs> oh, and don't forget Malcolm Rodriguez and the Lions at fullback, another defensive player. So nice. Um, I don't know if those guys. I don't. I don't think their options on the on the slate. Let's see. Probably not. No way. No way. Uh, yeah. No, they're not. They're not options, but just some. Just something to keep in mind. Uh, get vultured. Um, <laughs> it was one of those guys. Well, it hey. sounds like you're stacking this game too with Zach Moss and Will. Oh Mallory. yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just going all I, I, in on this game. Yeah, I just think that's where. I mean, it just you know, Zach Moss. I think is just the best dollar value, and then Mallory's kind of the best, or one of the best, uh, off the board plays that people probably aren't thinking about. And then you know, guy like Pickens is a like buy low. So yeah, there's just a lot of those kind of options that are perfect for yep. uh, DFS tournaments. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's get into the showdowns. We'll start with Sunday night football. We got the Ravens at the Jags. Baltimore favored by three and a half on the road. Total is 43 and a half. That's 820 Eastern on NBC. Luck rankings, both these teams, middle of the pack. Who do you like in a captain spot? Uh, I'm going with Isaiah Likely here. Uh, you know, obviously he's not as good as Mark Andrews, um, but like I said, he he's he was the best backup tight end in the league after Trey McBride took over for <laughs> Zach Hurts. Let me clarify that. But he's in the same role as Mark Andrews. Uh, he had a 91% routes run rate last week against the shitty Rams tight end defense uh, who left him open multiple times. So, of course... He took advantage um, in the soaking rain there for five catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but I think that this is, you know, another great matchup for him against the Jaguars. They, they allowed, you know, I guess the four Bengals tight ends to play well, but <laughs> the three that actually catch passes. Uh, so uh, not Irv collect- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irv Smith is going to phase out. It, it's really just, can, can we just go all in on Tanner Hudson at this right. point? But yeah, no, they, they did great. Uh, and David Joku. Had a massive game, uh, and just the Jags' defense in general has looked really shaky lately. So I like going with Isaiah Likely here in the captain slot because I think people are going to use him, but maybe not to the point of putting him in the captain slot. But I think he has massive upside. He has similar upside as a Mark Andrews, so I think that's why it makes total sense to use him here uh, in the captain slot. 
Yeah, no, definitely. These Raven pass catchers, I mean, likely playing almost every snap. It's kind of, you know, I guess outside of you, know, you got that three-way committee with Beckham and Aguilar and Bateman, but, you know, likely on the field every play and Zay Flowers is on the field every play. So that's the guy I'm going with. He's been literally on the field every play, has had a couple of those 100% route participation rates as of late. And the coaching staff talked about that they want to keep getting him the ball, you know, coming out of the bye especially. So uh, this Jaguar team per FTN, eighth most schedule-adjusted targets, uh, and ninth most schedule-adjusted receiving yards per game to opposing number one wide receivers. And you know, Flowers tends to, you know, the Jaguars, they've been a lot stronger defensively to the offense's right, but Flowers tends to do most of his work middle and left, all three of his touchdowns on the left side, and uh, about 40% of his catches and yards. So, you know, Jags play a lot of zones, so a lot of times those numbers can hold up a little bit more than you have a, a man defense where the corners can just shadow and match up and whatnot. So uh, there could be some holes in those zones exactly in the spots where Flowers is running his pass patterns. But either way, you know, top receiver for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, guy who's a rookie who could still take it, you know, to a, a, another gear. Remember Amon Ross St. Brown around this time a couple of years ago where he went from a guy who kind of flashed to a guy that was just putting up, you know, eight catches for over 100 yards every game. So uh, he's got the quarterback to do it. He's got the talent to do it. And, you know, outside of Likely, who I, I love as well, all those other Raven receivers, they're kind of rotating in and out. So uh, there is an opportunity for one guy to kind of be that target hog in Baltimore and uh, with Andrews out. So love me some Zay Flowers in this spot. One of the one of the multiple Zays on this slate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say uh, love uh, Zay Flowers in the captain slot, but I have another Zay uh, as a great value play. <laughs> uh, and that that is Zay Jones. And um, had a modest five catch for 29-yard game last week. Didn't score a touchdown. But he did manage to lead the entire National Football League in intended air yards last nope. week with 216. And I know those don't count for fantasy, uh, unfortunately. But it just goes to show that he is going to step up with Christian Kirk out. Um, he could be the number one target at times for Trevor Lawrence, like he was last week. So I think he'll be overlooked just due to his you know so-so stat line. But the, the underlying work is there. You know, he's running a route on nearly every drop back, um, being targeted downfield, obviously. So eventually he'll haul in, you know, a couple more of those passes and have a big game. So uh, this this is, you know, a tough matchup. But again, we can't get too picky in a one game slate. So uh, I like targeting Zay Jones here. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the Jaguars, you know, the sexy plays are Ridley, Engram. Well, let me say that. Engram first, first, then, yeah. <laughs> uh, then probably Travis Etienne and Calvin Ridley. Those are the sexy yeah. plays. So I, I, on a one game slate like this, it's all about, you know, trying to pivot off those guys in a way that, that gives you leverage, but, you know, still gives you upside as well. So Zay Jones and Parker Washington are the two guys that I think, uh, you know, they'll obviously be popular. It's a one game slate. Everyone's going to be popular, but Compared, you know, because everyone's going to be trying to to jam in the studs, 
on on both sides. I think you know these these mid range guys that are going to be on the field for most of the pass snaps are you know they might not be in you know, like I would I would put Zay Jones and Washington in a stack with Lawrence without Ridley or Ingram like do it like that yeah. and yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the way you want to attack these things. Washington, a six round rookie out of Penn State about a 70% route participation rate the last two games with Christian Kirk, of course, uh, going down for the season with injury. Washington has caught eight, eight of eight targets for 88 yards and two scores on a year. And uh, in his last two games, excuse me. And he also had a 15 yard touchdown catch in the preseason. So Three of his nine uh, NFL catches are are touch have gone for touchdowns. So he's one of those guys where when he catches the ball, it's most likely going to be of uh, of note. So another guy who may continue to, to break out. Like we've certainly seen the signs. He's had up and down. He's had his ups and downs. I think he lost a fumble in that game against Cleveland, but that's a, you know that's a great defense. Baltimore is too, but uh, this is this is a guy who's been getting in the end zone, and again he's like last on the target totem pole among the starters after Ingram, after Ridley, after ETN, and after Zay Jones. So you know, Jones and, and, and Washington are the two guys that I'm going to try to have more of than the field because and, and combine them in a, in a bunch of spots because I think that's yeah. that's going to be the way – That's it's a very uh, feasible way that, that, that it could turn out, but I don't think it's going to be reflected as such in the, uh, in the ownership. Who do you like for dark throws? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Ravens guy and kind of go with your logic. But the Jaguars, the sexy plays for the Ravens would be Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely, Keaton Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell. Odell Beckham now. Uh, right. So Rashad Bateman is way down there. Nobody wants anything to do with him. And rightfully so. I mean, he two catches for 24 yards last week. That's like the eighth straight week he put up <laughs> that exact line. Uh, and his playing time took a big hit as well. So that's not good for his median projection. Uh, you know, his route participation rate fell to 47%, uh, not only below Elda Beckham, but below Nelson Aguilar for the first time since week six. And I think that's because he was coming back from injury. Uh, but we have seen his ADOT go way up in the last four games. Uh, it's just a shade over 18 yards downfield, which is the highest of all Ravens. So if Lamar is going downfield, it looks like it's, more likely to go to Bateman. So even though he's playing less, which is not good for his median projection for his floor, uh, it does mean, you know, he could catch a long pass or two here and still might have a sneaky ceiling uh, and he'll be overlooked. So I think now's the time to kind of, I guess you'd say buy low on Bateman. You're not expecting much, but if he were to go off, you know, it'd be with a couple long catches. So I, I think he could do that here. Uh, again, the Jaguars' defense has been really shaky, so any one of these Ravens players could break loose uh, for a long play. So uh, I'm going to have to go with Bateman here as my favorite dart throw of the Ravens. Yeah, and you bring up a great point about kind of the way uh, volatile playing time affects the median projection, but, you know, it doesn't really affect the ceiling. And, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain – teams and certain players uh it's I think it's usually I think teams is a, a accurate way to put it where certain teams when you see guys kind of fluctuate in playing time uh you're gonna you're gonna use that you're gonna incorporate that uh, a lot more into the into into your medium projection but for a, a team like the Ravens it's like you kind of just have to like every week I, 
what I usually do is I just, I don't really, I'm not really like factoring in the fluctuations as much because we get, because we already can see by just looking at the standard deviation, how much like Odell Beckham will go like 36% uh, routes one week, 60 the next, 40 the next, Bateman, same thing, Aguilar, same thing. So you just got to kind of know that, okay, just because you played, you know, under 50% last week, doesn't necessarily mean that's predictive in a way that it might mean for a team like the Jets, where they're just like, all right, we're benching Randall Cobb, and you're not going to ever see him <laughs> again. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of the the difference where sometimes, you know, people will quote these numbers and say like, oh, Bateman only played 47% of uh, the snaps last week, like fade. It's like, nah, man. It's like he could easily go up to 75% this week, and he was in the 70s for a, a stretch before that. So like if you can if you see the the variance it's how do you take advantage of it it's like you said we're not playing this dude in cash game like if Bateman let's say Bateman went up to 80% right we wouldn't be playing him in cash games either just like True. we're not going to fade him in <laughs> tournaments just because he dropped like that's the way you take advantage yeah so so you're saying that he's more likely to end up closer to his like 70% routes run rate he's been running the 5 6 games prior i'm saying i'm saying we just know that's his range of outcomes. And so he's better for yeah. tournaments. Like I'm saying, just the way oh, I right. wouldn't I wouldn't fade him for dropping the way I might fade like Tutu Atwell, for example. Like when Tutu Atwell all of a sudden started, you know, switching sta- uh splitting staffs with Demarcus Robinson, you're like, uh oh. Like this cause Sean McVay <laughs> is so consistent, right? Every week yeah, yeah, he plays yeah. the same dude for like <laughs> as many stats as they could possibly play. But with the yeah. Ravens and Todd Monkin. He's used to having a four-way committee at wideout. Remember the Bucks? I think he was – yeah, like Deshaun Jackson as, as his wide receiver four. And uh, Godwin, I think, was like a rookie or a second-year guy. So, like, they had all these guys mixing in and, um, yeah. you know, like it's just – that's what I'm saying. So, it's like the same way if – let's say Bateman rose to like 85%. I'm not – I wouldn't trust him in a cash game. The same way I would exactly. not dis the same way I wouldn't distrust him <laughs> for a drop in playing time. And that's – there's certain – you just have to kind of – you kind of get to know which players are like that and which coaching staffs are like that and which, yep. which aren't, um, you know, seem, some teams do it in the backfield too, where they just, the Ravens, for example, I, I mean, sometimes justice Hill will get a lot of touches. Sometimes he won't see the field at all. And that's actually my dart throw justice Hill, uh, Jacksonville giving up the most schedule adjusted targets two running backs per FTN 8.8 per game, third most, Schedule adjusted receiving yards per game to running backs just under 49. Uh, they're 19th in DVOA uh, against running back passes. And Hill played on 52% of the pass snaps last week. And that doesn't mean I think he's going to do it again, but it means he has that kind of upside to play at a high rate if it's a pass heavy game script. And that's all I, that's all you can really ask for. You know, they're Gus Edwards, if there's if it ends up being a game script where they have a bunch of chances inside the five. Gus Edwards may get three touchdowns. If it ends up being a game script where they have to to pass a lot and, and Jacksonville has some success, kind of like the Rams last week, uh, you could see Justice Hill take snaps away from Edwards and from Keaton Mitchell. So that's that, that's kind of the way you want to play the variance. And I think the Ravens are actually a great tournament team because there's there's no there's not much certainty of who's going to play outside of you know uh, Flowers and the tight end from, from one week to the next. Yeah. So love this and love the different kind of combinations you could make it up. Look who, look who the Raven was that scored a touchdown last week. Tywin Wallace, the wide receiver six. Most of the time you don't <laughs> even see the wide receiver six register any type of 
anything. He's the backup punt returner and wide receiver sixth. Uh, now he'll be the number five with uh, with Duvernay being placed on mm. injured reserve. So he's another guy to monitor because you could stack him with the Ravens defense on DraftKings. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's not going to return a punt in back-to-back weeks, <laughs> but right. that's, you know, that's kind of, I mean, if he did, massive advantage. So if you're doing, you know, multi-lineup, uh, something to think about. Let's, uh, let's go to Monday night, Eagles at the Seahawks. Both teams are reeling. Right now, uh, <laughs> Eagles yeah. favored by four on the road. That seems a little shaky. Total 48. Luck rankings. Eagles, number one. Seattle, number 19. So Seattle's been a little bit less lucky than average, where the Eagles have been the luckiest team in the National Football League. And I talked about this last week. You know, their point differential heading into that Dallas game, they, they were 10-2, and two, and their point differential suggested they should have been seven and five heading into that Dallas game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, still the, the same deal here. So this is one where the Eagles are favored, but I mean, any thoughts on this is def- this is the second best luck ranking play of the yeah. the week. So any, any thoughts on, you know, could this be a spot where, you know, maybe the Eagles sputter uh, yet again, and it's not just, you know, they're favored and they can run it uh, like you'd expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, First off, the luck rankings love fading the Eagles, and that has <laughs> been very profitable the past few weeks. Both of these teams have had just brutal schedules the past mm-hmm. month or so, which is why they've been struggling. So, yeah, you, you'd expect the Eagles to to get it together here and you know beat the Seahawks, but the Seahawks are fighting for their lives as well. I guess the question is, like, who the hell is starting quarterback for the Seahawks, and does it matter? Um like I don't if, think so. if Drew, I don't think so. If no, I don't think so either. But if <laughs> if Drew Locke is announced as starter, does this go up towards? Uh, I don't think it'll yeah, hit it six. Will. Right, it will definitely move like um, a, it's probably like the market. I would say would probably give him like what maybe a point and a half, point point and a half. But it's probably yeah, less than then, that. Yeah, and if Geno's um, announced as a starter, I mean like, it won't go down too much, right? It's, probably it's go to not going to go. Probably go three. You think it'll go to three? Yeah, you, you I mean, the, Eagles, so, that is it. the Eagles were favored. I mean, the Eagles were dogs by at home by more than three to the Niners, and they were and they were dogs. And the Cowboys were more than uh more than three. So at, at Seattle after playing this badly, I, yeah, I think it'd go to. I think it would go to three, maybe three and a half, three? maybe three and a I, half. Well, yeah, it's at three and a half now. At some spots, no, it's, oh, just, that's it. yeah, four. I've seen most of four, but yeah, well, I'm just yeah, saying they would if, definitely if, go to three. I think. So if you like the Seahawks, even if. Drew Locke starts now is the time to lock him in, right? Is that what kind of we're getting at? Yeah, and just you know, for D- for DFS purposes, I'm just saying, you know, I think when you see Eagles favored, which because they they've been coming off some some brutal game yeah. scripts and, and 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 losses, when you you know when you, a lot of people kind of look, you know, they look to these Vegas lines to inform their lineup decision, and they say, okay, well, finally, after a rough stretch, <laughs> you mentioned it, brutal schedule. Eagles are favored again, and I'm just saying, you know, just think about the alternatives because this is a spot where it it, it could yeah. be a get right for the Seahawks because <laughs> the Eagles defense oh, is bad. Absolutely, no, I, I oh, think, uh, defense, I I'm tempted to lock in the the Seahawks plus yeah, three and a half yeah, right I'm now. I it too, yeah. No, because like what people <laughs> do is also they see oh they're favored by three and a half, so they'll probably win. Like yeah, looking no. outside of the context of the matchup, and it's like oh no no, th- this just means that the the chan- the chances of the Seahawks 
just winning the game and having a leading game script is probably more likely than people think mm-hmm. uh, is kind of what you're getting at too. So yeah, I, I love it. Does that mean we're, we're playing some uh, Charbonnet, some Kenneth Walker here? Is that, yes. is that what? Yeah. I think, I think yeah. both of those guys, especially because, because they're splitting snaps to an extent, you know, I, I mean, Walker is clearly the lead guy. Like they, they just love Walker. Yeah. Um, but I, I think especially with last week, the way it broke down Walker, they have their usual roles, but because the Seahawks always get into third down and Walker plays mostly early downs, um, like it was just like almost reversed because they just didn't have a lot of early downs. And, and then um, Charbonnet ended up carrying the ball more on like, you know, his, his snaps than Walker did. So like the whole usage is backwards. So yeah, I think, I think Walker's a nice kind of contrarian somewhat contrarian play against a tough Eagles defense. Cause you could have a, you could have a leading Seahawks game script. I mean, see all they have to do is yep. get one of those DK Met, let DK Met have run away from somebody again. So um, a lot of ways to go in this one. Uh, where are you going in the catch spot? Well, after saying all that, uh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. <laughs> uh, you know, the Eagle, the, I mean, I love the idea of a Kenneth Walker captain play. Uh, don't get me going here, but let's go the safe route here. I, I think DeAndre Swift could be under the radar too. I think there's a lot of players we can consider here, but just given the fact that the Eagles have been blown out two straight games, I think they they do want to lean on DeAndre Swift here. Um, and blowout game scripts aren't ideal for DeAndre Swift. Those are perfect for Kenny Gainwell. So, uh, I think Swift specifically could get back on track here. And Seattle's run defense has been trending down lately. You know, they were really good earlier in the season. Uh, lately, not so much. They gave up two big games at Christian McCaffrey. Can't really fault them for that. But they did allow, you know, Tony Pollard, Brian Robinson, Royce Freeman, Keaton Mitchell uh, to all have, you know, pretty good games. So uh, DeAndre Swift could have a nice bounce back game here. And you saw that, like, in the second half, I think when the Eagles were down by, like, 14 points. I had DeAndre Swift under 13 half rush attempts and they just fed him the ball that drive down 14. So it's like they wanted to get back to that. It was too late, obviously, but I think out of the gate here, I think they are going to lean on Swift and the run game, try to control the game. Um, So I do like him here. And if he does score a touchdown, you know, it's always tough because Jalen Hurts is going to get those tush push one yard runs. But if he does get a touchdown, that's nice leverage over Jalen, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. So He's a little bit more of a long shot in the captain slot, but I do think that the Eagles will at least try early on to just go through DeAndre Swift as much as they can. Yeah, because like, well, it does ironically go against like what we were talking about with you know That's like, opposite game script. Yeah. But but I also, but the but the reason I I I'm, I can get on board with it is because it you're, you're not only thinking about like not everyone. You know, there's thousands of entrances that are entering most tournaments, at least hundreds, if not thousands. Uh, and not everyone's just going by the Vegas lines. A lot of people are also just going by, you know, recent production. And from that standpoint, I think a lot of people will shy away from DeAndre Swift because he just hasn't been as productive as of late. You know, because, like you yeah. said, because of those blowouts. And, you know, people like to people like certainty. They like to see a guy with you know, game logs that were good, (laughs) you know, especially when you're going to pay 1.5 X for that player and you're investing real money into doing so. So um, I could definitely get on it from that, that standpoint, you know, coming off 
two straight duds in, in three pretty quiet games in a row. Last time he scored a touchdown was that that Chiefs game, which was four games ago now. So I I, I have I have some interesting kind of contrarian thoughts on on this backfield, which I'll get to uh, in the uh, in the next segment. But uh, for my captain, this is a little bit more obvious now. DK Metcalf. <laughs> Uh, but anytime I could get a receiver like this and in a slate like this, where there's other expensive options, so like you know, the ownership's still going to be split because there's AJ Brown, there's Devontae Smith, Tyler Lockett had a big game. The quarterback Jalen Hurts is going to take up yeah. a lot yeah. of captaincy as well. So um, DK Metcalf, you could still get him at a fair, I think fair. A roster ship, especially in the captain spot, and Philly allowing the most fantasy points to wide receivers. Check this: a wide receiver against Philadelphia, at least one, has scored at least sixteen PPR points in every single game. <laughs> every single wow. game. Now, in terms of number one receivers, which DK Metcalf is, every number one receiver that went against Philly topped sixteen PPR points, except. Rasheed Rice in week 11, um, which, you know, he, but we know he only plays like 60% of the snaps. So he's not a true number one, or at least he wasn't back in week 11. So I, you true. can kind of give him a pass for that. And in that same game, you had Justin Watson, who <laughs> kind of was the the Chiefs number, <laughs> de facto number one uh, until Rice started playing more snaps. Uh, he went for five catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets, which I'm pretty sure is one of his best if not his best game this year as a chief and Philadelphia has been struggling with those big physical wide receivers, CD lamb six for 71 and a touchdown. And in the other game, 11 for 191 Debo Samuel four for 116 and two scores, Gabe Davis six for 105 and a touchdown uh, mentioned Watson five for 53 and a touchdown. And that was only in the last five games. Like I, I it would I would it would take all day if I listed off every you know alpha yeah. wide receiver or big physical guy that has put up numbers against this Eagle defense. Bradbury is their you know the the kind of the the bigger their biggest corner six one two ten his fifty four point five PFF coverage grade is ninety sixth out of one hundred nineteen qualifiers and and DK loves playing Philly last two matchups last two meetings with Philly. Uh, 10 catches, 177 in in November of 2020. And then in the game before that against Philly, it was back in, uh, it was early 2020. It was 2019 wildcard game, seven for 160 and a touchdown. So he's top, he's 160 or more yards in each of his last two against Philly. I don't know <laughs> if that means anything, but it, it does mean that he definitely gets up to play Philly. And uh, I, he everything's in place for him to put up a monster game uh, yet again. Who you like for value? Uh, yeah, I like uh, Dallas Goddard here. Um, you know, he returned to action last week uh, and had a ton of playing time. His his route participation rate was just over 90%. Uh, only caught four balls for 30 yards. But, you know, we could see a big game from him anytime now with that kind of playing time. And Seattle's been beatable by opposing tight ends. Um, since week eight, every tight end's exceeded expectations against them, except for George Kittle um, <laughs> back in week 12. But... You know, he returned the favor last week. So they, they've been pretty shaky against tight ends. Um, like you said, like a lot of people are going to be on A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. I'm assuming Goddard as well. But there's at least enough guys to spread things out. I think Goddard uh, is pretty sneakier, though. 
Yeah, I like Goddard in. You know, I'm high. I just, I just like him this week. Period. I think you know you talk about kind of feeding Swift to kind of get back to what they are doing. I think to me the issue with the Eagles' offense is not just that like they're not commit they're not committed to establishing a run. Remember, this team was surprisingly pass heavy early in games, kind of like Dallas is now, um, and that's really how they had a lot of success. So I think. You know, getting Jalen Hurts kind of that security blanket, letting uh, because like you know Smith and Brown do great work down the field, and you know sometimes you get those screen passes to Smith, but they're they're getting predictable. But Goddard is a guy who gives you that yard after catch, and it, like Jalen Hurts doesn't have to stand there and read the defense forever, and you know just get it out to him, let him do some work, kind of like the Chiefs do with Kelsey. Um, Goddard has that that's that skill set, so I think he's another one of those guys that. When they say, hey, we got to kind of get right and, and get back to what we do, I think Goddard uh, is really uh, a key to unlocking that. So I love him as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba here. You know, came off a disappointing week last week in a game where, you know, Drew Locke exceeded expectations and was fairly efficient throwing the football against a stout 49er defense. But it was, you know, most, you know, Metcalf got touchdowns. Uh, a lot of Tyler Lockett, so you know it kind of ebbs and flows with these with these things. So I think this is a good JSN spot in addition to uh, to Metcalf JSN with 48 or more receiving yards and or a touchdown in six of his last nine games. He's averaging over four catches and just under 50 yards over his last nine with a couple of touchdowns. And uh, you know talked about this in our uh, player projection pod, but the Philly slot defense is struggling. Bradley Roby's been the guy they've been putting out there lately. He grades out 86 out of 119 at, at PFF. They just really haven't ha- found somebody that to, to replace uh, Avante Maddox. So JSN, 70% slot receiver who can go deep as well, I think is uh, this is a, a spot where I think he could have a a big game kind of like he had a couple or it was on the verge of a couple Thursdays ago if he had if their refs had given him given him that touchdown right before the half and, and then of course it went to Metcalf and his his stat line just got bigger but uh I think there J, there's a JSN monster game incoming and yeah. this is certainly the defense for it and you know Drew Locke showed last week that he's not going to be a major downgrade to the point where they can't put up numbers. Also, partly it's just because Geno's struggled for a lot of this year and dealing with some injuries. So, uh, no matter who's the quarterback, I like the Seattle passing game, like JSN uh, in the mid range. Who do you like for dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, I like Noah Fant here. And, uh, you know, this is another tricky three way committee uh, in Seattle here with their tight ends. And Colby Parkinson was the one who had the better fancy game last week, thanks to his touchdown uh but Fant is still the clear lead tight end for the Seahawks at least in terms of playing time he's typically seeing around 60 percent routes run rate the last five games um and you know Seattle doesn't use tight ends too much since they now have a solid wide receiver three in Mm -hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba but you know Fant does see enough playing time to potentially hit on a one game slate Philly ranks 32nd DBO against tight ends still uh and assuming I I would prefer if Drew Locke starts this game for Noah Fant because he targeted tight ends at a much higher rate than Geno Smith. Last week, he targeted tight ends. Uh, set, they had seven total targets combined, which is the most since week three. And Drew Locke played with Noah Fant in Denver. So they already have 
some pretty good chemistry. So I think this could be a sneaky spot for no fan. Oh yeah. Every, every DFS league is a sneaky spot for no fan because he's usually never going to catch more than like two, three balls, but every once in a while, those two, three catches are going to go for <laughs> like 80 yards and a touchdown. Cause he has some, yep. he has decent athleticism. He has, you know, run after the catch ability and, uh, and he's never going to be a defensive priority. So Noah Fan is a guy that he's probably one of my most rostered players anytime the Seahawks have a <laughs> um have a, have a prime time you know showdown slate because I think he's perfect and never no one's ever really thinking about. Remember when he used to have hype because he was like in that same conversation yeah. with um who was he? What who was in his draft class? Was it, it wasn't Kittle right? It was after that. I forget who it was, but yeah, Noah Fan like. They, high hopes for him and kind of well, he he replaced Kittle at Iowa yeah and then Laporta replaced him but yeah what was that I mean he was traded for Russell Wilson he was part of that deal yep yeah uh, he's still pretty young I mean it's not like unheard of for tight in this current scheme he's not going to be like you know a tight end one but it wouldn't surprise me he pops up you know down the road as a tight end one again um yeah, Hawkinson. he was. It was him and Hawkinson. Those. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like Hawkinson kind of took off and. 2019 draft. Yep. yep. Yeah. And left uh, left Noah Fant in the dust a little bit. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like I like it, and he, his his snap rate has actually been slightly increasing. They've played, and maybe it's because of all these trailing game scripts, but they've they've been playing Will Disley a little bit less. Um, Disley's more of your you know traditional tight end, better blocker and whatnot. So. Uh, it's another one of those games where, yeah, you would think Fant would continue being out there a little bit more than usual. Uh, but yeah, I, I mentioned, you know, I have some thoughts about the Eagle backfield and this is more of kind of like a, a way to attack tournaments and a theory I have, but Kenneth Gainwell, I think is very intriguing because DeAndre Swift on this last carry, you mentioned it, they tried to feed him late in that Cowboy game. His <laughs> last carry put him set a new career high for touches. So this is the most touches he's ever had in a season. And remember early, you know, when, when Swift first took over every week, it seemed like he was just getting, he was just super efficient. He had, you know, his first start six over six yards of carry, then eight yards of carry. His next one, he was over four, he was four yards of carry or better in five of his first six starts, you know, not counting that the week one game where he only had one carry, but, uh, and then these last six games, he's been held to 3.6 yards per carry or less in uh, four of the last six. And he could be wearing down just a bit. So this might be a time where they actually turn to Kenneth Gainwell. And there's precedent for this. Miles Sanders, remember last year, was kind of having a, a, like a career year just like um, Swift. And... Post Thanksgiving, the Eagles just started to to give to work Gainwell more and more into their offense, you know, for that stretch run. In the first 10 games pre-Thanksgiving last year, Gainwell averaged 18 snaps and four touches a game, just 13 yards per game. And then after Thanksgiving, which spanned 10 games because they got all the way to the Super Bowl, his snaps went from uh, 18 to 25. His touches nearly doubled from uh, – 3.9 to 7.7 and his yardage quadrupled from 13 yards a game to 47 yards a game. So I think they might, you know, when they, they when they do their soul searching, they might say, Hey, you know, this worked for us last year. 
to to not overdo it with our you know top you know speedy explosive back. Uh, last year it was Sanders. This year is Swift. Let's let's start working Gainwell in. Remember he was working in the red zone. He was getting touchdowns. He was catching it. He was running it. So I think you might see something similar this year down the stretch to keep to keep Swift fresh because they're still they still have ten wins. They're gonna make the playoffs and they're gonna need Swift there. Yeah. So I'm actually looking not even just this slate, but you know they got the Giants a couple of times. Like they have they have some some matchups uh, Cardinals where I think you might see a, a similar thing to what happened last year with Kenneth Gainwell season kind of taking over for this stretch run. So I want to get ahead of that. Uh, this week, not just so I, like I like Gainwell, not just because I think the Eagles may actually struggle in this spot more than uh, <laughs> the market does, but because I actually think Gainwell may start to be used more on early downs and in the red zone, uh, a la last season. So uh, that's why I, yeah. I like me some uh, Kenny Gainwell this week. Yeah, and that, it's not like it'd be new for them. He week one, he was the workhorse back, exactly. and then he got hurt, and then Swift took over. So they've there's precedent for this. Uh, don't forget about the ultimate vulture, though. Boston, Boston Scott, his usage. Boston Scott's usage is picking up. He has no touchdowns this year. So we might be due for a uh, Boston Scott vulture touchdown, too. Unless they do Rashad Penny a solid and make him active as a third back in his revenge spot. Oh, revenge game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's. I'm, I'm actually going to project, because this game's a Monday, I'm actually going to project Penny um, for like, like a, you know, like a half a carry just in case. Just just to have him right. Yeah, because you can't rank you can't re-rank him Monday, you know, for the <laughs> yeah. you know, so uh but that is something to monitor because uh you know that they you know, I mean Penny's obviously in the doghouse or behind all those guys, but yeah. uh, this is the team that let him walk for cheap after he had a, a really good run with them and was was yeah. productive. So um I wouldn't even like they I think the Eagles are like they're trying to get their swag back too, so I wouldn't be surprised if you if you see things like you know Penny active, you know getting that Super Bowl swag like what they do last year. Gainwell getting more carries. Maybe they go back to that three way with Scott and Gainwell. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised before we get out of here. I also wouldn't be surprised if they reactivate Albert Okuwe Bunam because he actually had a decent uh, you know some decent receiving games while Goddard was out, and I, I just I don't know if they're really getting. Like their passing game has been shaky, so maybe they want to go for like a pass catcher tight end instead of the ghost of Julio Jones. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they scratch one of those like receivers like Zacchaeus or or Jones and go and maybe they try to go more heavy personnel mm-hmm. and and get another tight end out there. So a lot of just be be aware for some changes from yeah. the Eagles. So that this is what I'm talking about, where you got to just kind of understanding like when when to look at. And, and say, okay, there might be some variance here because the Eagles have been fairly consistent in how they use uh, players, but it hasn't been working for them. Like Hertz hasn't been spreading the ball around enough. Um, they might be overusing Swift at this point. So I, I'm looking for some, some changes uh, this week. So uh, that, that's just something to keep in mind. All right, that is going to do it for us here on the Night Shift. Be sure to check out the full list of luck rankings, actionnetwork.com for those. Uh, and, of course, all of our NFL fantasy and betting content, fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Don't forget to check out that uh, player projections episode out right now over on the Action Network podcast channel. Our fantasy preview episode for week 15 uh, that breaks down the main slate right here on the Fantasy Flex channel. 
Don't forget that Action Discord server as well. The link will be in the episode description. Sean's on X at the underscore oddsmaker. I'm at Chris Raybon. And we're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Till next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.